1: And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of at Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. We don't need to do this spiel, do we? Maybe we do. I don't know. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, he's here.
2: I'm always here.
1: Slamming something to ruin my perfectly manicured hour long taking of audio setting up. He had to slam something on his desk there. I heard it.
2: That's not at all what happened, but okay, sure.
1: Well, what was it then?
2: I don't know. I rotated my chair.
1: <sighs> We're professional,
2: folks. This, this is what the people want to hear about.
1: Yeah, exactly. What the people also want to hear, though, is our new hires. So as a, a few weeks ago, we did hire, bring on some new people. Actually, last was it last week? Time's times kind of not working out for me. Yes. Right We've got new people on the Pride of Detroit staff, and we are going to try to have as many on the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we can. So joining us here is our first of many Hamza and I just learned how to say <laughs> your last name and guess what I'm blanking out again uh Bakush Bakush okay Bakush yes thank you sorry <laughs> Hamza I've been how- looking towards that moment
2: all <laughs> all night
1: I'm going to give the nickname to to Hamza as got a lot of hits as a reference to the song new kids on the blocks no uh I don't
3: speak old music sorry <laughs> you
1: don't speak what old music it's not old music
3: he's
2: a, he's one of the young whippersnappers of the group he's gonna have to he might he
3: might even be younger than ryan jesus you, you can include all your old music in my hazing
1: hold up are we having a podcast with a zygote <laughs> I'm going to say younger than Ryan. That's really hard to do.
3: Wow. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm good on music past like 2010, but nothing before that.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like Brock Sampson and Venture Brothers talking about like Led Zeppelin now. Anyway, Hamza, why don't you tell the people about yourself a little bit?
3: Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Hamza. I'm a student at University of Michigan. Um, I do lots of football stuff. Uh, I play lots of football. I study lots of football. Um, My first time here in the POD cast was um, probably about two years ago when my mom excitedly told me that her question got featured on a podcast. So if she's listening to this, hi, mom, I hope you're proud of me. Um, I've come a long way. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: Um, No, that's, that's literally amazing right there. I did not know we had that. I, I had a, someone else did that with me here in LA like they had a similar story where they were like listening to podcasts and found out I was going to USC or something.
3: Yeah. So um, yeah, that's been pretty cool. I started submitting questions a couple of months ago. So my name's been thrown around here a few times. Uh, if anyone listens to Eric Schlitt's Detroit Lions breakdown podcast too, I've been on there a few times um, <laughs> for questions, not as a guest, but yeah, I'm uh, very excited to be a part of POD. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> Is there anything specific I should tell the people?
1: No just like I don't know if you have a specialty I mean granted you and I before this were talking about of all things the 2012 Lions at Titans game but
3: yeah um, yeah my Lions fanhood started I don't know I think informally I started pitting the Lions during the 0-16 season you know um, we kind of always gave my mom crap for being a Lions fan when they sucked. and then towards the end of that season I was like you know what maybe like Maybe I should like, you know, stick with the underdog here. And then the next season, um, she talked me into going to my first game. It was the Lions versus Jets game. Um, the game where Stafford was out and Dominican Sue kicked the extra point and missed and we lost in overtime. And I just fell in love with the game that day, went home, couldn't stop watching. Um, and you know, everything's just kind of taken off from there. It's been, you know, wonderful, painful being a Lions fan, but wonderful. Um Probably my, my best memory from that game was the fact that I still was learning how the game worked. And anytime a flag was thrown, I'd immediately turn to my mom like, what's the flag for? And she would tell me, I don't know. You got to wait for the ref. And so uh, several years later now, the tables have turned. They throw a flag. She goes, Hamza, what's the flag for? Because she knows that I'm always watching stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit of my background as a Lions fan.
1: Lions blood in his veins. That's the headline. I'm getting through it. Family exactly. ties. Also, being
3: exactly. it's a
1: pleasure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Lions my grandparents
3: campus. came like as immigrants, and they uh, they still watch the Lions every week. And I mean, my grandpa barely speaks English, but he'll call my mom every Sunday. He's like, "What channel's the game on?" He'll put it on. He doesn't understand the announcers. I don't think um, <laughs> he doesn't. He probably doesn't even know half the stuff that's like actual rules. But he, um, I mean, he enjoys it. So yeah, it's gotta. I, mean, I always blog.
1: see. I always see like NFL highlights like deadspin loves going out and finding highlights from like Russian broadcasters on the NFL. I've got to think there's got to be some people out there who do like, you know, NFL highlights in Arabic or, far, or Farsi or something. Oh, that
3: would be fun. Yeah, so that, I've seen the uh I've hear. Seen the, the Spanish ones, the uh uh the soccer commentators that Oh, yeah, and Deportes,
1: fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. well, let's uh, let's let's get on to what we're going to talk about for today for the Lions. We are going to talk about the Lions. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame game and the Hall of Fame ceremonies and Terrell Owens, because I need some NFL news here. But first, we start with the new. This is an unofficial depth. It's a published depth chart. It's an unofficial roster. Jeremy is quick to point out. As the Lions prepare for their first exhibition game this Friday, Against the Raiders of Oakland, soon to be Vegas. So yeah. we have a roster sitting here after all a training camp. We've got plenty to talk about here. And just, uh, what, what what's your first takeaway, Jeremy? What's the first thing that you notice on the depth chart?
4: Well,
2: besides the fact that we do need to re- reiterate, this is created by the Lions' PR team, not the Lions' coaches. So anything you you can't read too much into this and what I mean the basically the way I look at it is compare what it looks to like to what I've seen in you know eight nine days of practice now and the offense looks pretty much exactly like like we expected Frank Ragnow a left guard as he's pretty much practiced exclusively LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick are basically your one and two backs right now on Johnson is is three or four depending on how you read the chart that's how it's been in camp it's probably not how it's going to be week one of the regular season but. That's uh, no surprise on offense. The defense, there are a couple little hidden surprises. And I think one of the biggest ones that that sticks out to me is Cornelius Washington is listed as a defensive tackle. And now Cornelius Washington was just taken off the injury list. So we've barely seen him in practice. So we don't really know how they're going to use him. But he's listed as a defensive end on the roster. So the fact that they list him as a defensive tackle on the depth chart is very curious to me. I don't know if that's an oversight or maybe a hint as to how they plan on using him, but
1: I know it's Hider something... Hyder's also, Carrie Hyder's also listed as a defensive end. And I know he kind of s- split time between tackle and end, but I kind of find it fascinating. He's out on the edges.
2: That's mostly where they've been using him in camp mm-hmm. kind of as, as the edge guy, you could even argue that he's kind of an outside linebacker in some of the ways he's, he's been lining up with, without his fingers in the dirt. But yeah, I think you're definitely going to see Hyder on the edge this year.
1: So is there, just looking at this here, like I think the first thing that people popped up is that maybe there's some camp darlings on here who are just listed very, very low. But I mean, that's, that's to be expected. I think like, I mean, I don't know. Tio Redding. yeah. Tio Redding. We're not going to see him. We're going to see him with third team come, come Friday.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you look at all the rookies, they're basically all very deep on, on the depth chart. Tyler Crosby's a third string left tackle. Uh, Basically, I mean, on Johnson, like I mentioned, third or fourth running back. Frank Ragnow is your starter. But you go back, Tracy Walker is the very last listed free safety. Deshaun Hand, very last defensive end, which is also kind of interesting. They list him as a defensive end when he's played a little defensive tackle in in camp. Basically, rookies are going to start there on the way right on on those depth charts. And they'll work their way up. You might not see it on these unofficial depth charts during the preseason because they're going to release one of these every week. But this is this is where they start, I think, on just about every depth chart across the league. So no no surprises with the rookies to me.
1: Amza, um, was there anything in there that kind of surprised you?
3: Uh, yeah, definitely. So um, Jeremy mentioned that Tracy Walker was listed at free safety there, but um, another name to note is Miles Kilbrew. I did not see him coming in at uh, free safety. He was actually practicing with the linebackers today, I believe, um, yep. and that was. Uh, I don't think, have we seen him take any snaps at free safety in games before in practice at all? I mean, he's always been a strong safety, right? Yeah, ever since I can remember.
2: I mean, the the only time he's gotten any real safety snaps in game uh, was that Minnesota game. Week four, or week three, or whatever, and I don't think he was playing free safety. Free safety does not that that looks like an oversight by the PR department. I don't yeah, know they, why he's they, probably,
1: well, probably. I think what's happening there is they don't want to put him third string on strong safety because you've got Quandre Diggs, who seems to be probably the, the in the lead for that spot right now. He's kind well, of the, mean, he's been those four sets, but then like right after him is Tavon Wilson.
4: Well, th-
2: that's yeah. also the thing is Quandre Diggs isn't really playing a lot of strong safety right now because their base set really is, is a nickel front. And Quandre is basically playing the nickel corner position while Tavon Wilson is playing strong safety. So to me, it's, it's just kind of interesting that their their first string defense base is a, is a typical 4-3 when mostly we've been seeing a, a 4-2, you know, five defensive back front.
1: Now, my eyes were kind of drawn to the special teams, and I feel like I'm already going off the deep end, sitting here being like, hey, guys, let's talk about special teams. (laughs) Ah, But do you guys take anything from seeing, looking down, oh, who's our kick returner right now? It's Amir Abdullah.
3: I don't think that's really a big deal. I think, um, you know, last year, Jamal Agnew was very successful as a punt returner, and that's where he got his all-pro honors. But as a kick returner, I think he was fairly average, and I think um, it seems reasonable to expect to see a new face as the kick returner this year. I don't, if I mean, if that's Amir Abdullah's route to staying on the roster, then I mean, good for him. I think uh, that'd be interesting to watch. I, I mean, when he has space, he makes it work. And I think uh, kick return, we could see him be successful there. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I find it pretty interesting because during camp, it's impossible to tell who's your first string kick return. For me, it's one of the biggest questions, one of the biggest spots, on a quote unquote starting roster. I don't know if you consider a kick returner a starter, but it's one position that I just have no idea who's going to be back there in week one. And Amir Abdullah has definitely been getting reps, but so is TJ Jones, Dwayne Washington, Jamal Agnew, T.O. Redding has been getting some kick return reps, but it's impossible to tell who's with the first team because they're just kind of rotating. Um, And so the fact that only Amir Abdullah and Jamal Agnew are listed both for kick return and punt return is kind of interesting to me. They don't even have... A third and fourth string listed. I don't know if that says that Amir Abdullah is really in the lead right now and there's no other competitors, or if that's just, you know, maybe the guys who wrote this got tired by the end of it and just wanted to stop writing billion names. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to me. I, I'm not going to read too much into it, but it's definitely interesting to me that Amir Abdullah is the kick returner because that also means that they're probably going to keep, like, if that's the plan, that means they're keeping at least four running backs active on game day. And that's if you don't count a fullback.
3: Yeah, that is yeah. interesting. Looking at the roster right now, I mean, um, Legarrett Blunt's gonna make the roster. Uh on Johnson's making the roster. Amir Bul and Theo Riddick, I'd say both are likely to make the roster, and we know Nick is not going anywhere since Nick Bought in his ACL. So I mean, where do you guys see the odd men being out in the in the running back uh crop?
1: Oh, it's gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see I mean, I know Zach Zenter is a fan favorite for uh Reasons we could really dive into if we really want to this <laughs> off, but I mean, just I I don't know. There's nothing between him and Dwayne Washington where it's like, yeah, you got to save a, a spot on the roster for him.
2: Yeah, no. I think the five you named are probably the five that are going to be on the roster week one. The question to me is, do you keep all five of those active when it comes to game day? Do all five of those make the forty forty six? No, 46 I
1: could enough? see I could see Belore probably just kind of being an on and off uh, active one, really. Oh
2: like whether they want to use a fullback that week or not. I, I guess yeah. that, that certainly, I mean, we talk all the time about how he's going to, how Matt Patrice is going to game plan to their opponent specifically. And maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that means some
3: weeks they're going to have a fullback some weeks. They won't. Yeah. And if, uh, I mean, I don't know if, uh, LeGarrette Blunt's ever played any fullback, but I mean, if you have two back sets there and he's, uh, I mean I know he has lots of experience pass blocking he played for the Steelers and the and the Patriots but um I mean he could always he's always a big body in the event that Nick Bloor is inactive
1: Yeah like I I just I look at those four though and it's like I yeah you're right Jeremy like I try to find the odd man out and the one and I just can't find it so I guess I'm defaulting to the fullback All right looking ahead to Friday though what what are you expecting to see um as far as I I hate to do stock reports right now, but there's definitely some room for some people to probably go up on these lists or maybe fall down or what have you, or, you know, who, who's, who's, who's the guy you're really looking forward to on Friday.
2: I mean, it's, it's the easy answer, but. Everyone wants to see the new running back, right? Like everyone wants to see if this running game is the real deal, and Carryon Johnson is going to be the poster child of this. And I just
1: say, like, I've seen some people using the same rhetoric about on Johnson that we had when Amir Abdullah was a rookie. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you I've remember when too. you had? Yeah, we had some like an, an analyst guys going out there saying like, when Amir Abdullah was making a couple cuts, being like he's going to be the next. He's got the potential to be Barry Sanders good. Cool. Well, that
2: that first game against the Jets that Amir Abdullah had in the preseason, he made sure that was real good. sick cuts, and and we what all happened? Very what
3: ha-
1: and what <laughs> happened after the Chargers game? Like, what what was his status after game one of that year? That oh my god, the, what was
3: that? He he broke Eric Weddle's ankles. Was that?
1: Yeah, and then he yeah. immediately went on a milk carton though. After that, <laughs> so like yeah. I I like I'm I'm always worried about that kind of thing. Sure. I was I'm not I don't want to poo on this parade because I do like Carry On Johnson a lot, but I'm just saying maybe this is where the hype machine starts to get a wee out of control when it comes to the right and also
2: the... assuming that they go by the depth chart we might not even see carry johnson until the second half probably yeah. not because we probably second won't see team. a lot of we might not see any of Laguerre blunt since he's a veteran but theo riddick will probably see in there before we might even see amir Mirabula before carry i wouldn't be surprised yeah i don't think
1: i don't think riddick is like necessarily like i think the four we mentioned are the locks but i don't think he's riddick's riddick's not i think an end-all be-all lock
2: i do right now i you absolutely do. So? He's, okay. he's he's super well-rounded and he's also one of the best uh pass blockers one of the one of the best in pass protection maybe even the best maybe even better than Garrett blunt
1: so Could i think he, he maybe do fullback
2: no no he's <laughs> far too small also worth noting that Theo Riddick was out of practice today so there is a chance he doesn't play on thursday I'm
1: mm-hmm.
3: right okay yeah i gotta offer my two cents here i think um you know, I, I do agree with you. I don't think Theo Riddick is an end-all, be-all lock. I actually wrote back in um, January or February, um, uh, basically just looking at the whole uh, Lions running back roster. I don't know if this was before or after the draft, um, but if it was that early, probably before. the. Um, I said that Theo Riddick would end up on the outside looking in, but obviously he's had a very good camp since then. I feel like he's he's really finding his niche role again in the offense, and that could help this case. Um, so I could see them keeping him on, even if he's not active on game day. But I mean, I feel like um, with, you know, power guy like Garrett Blunt and, you know, on Johnson are really being able to do a lot of stuff. um already can find his role again. And I think Amir Abdullah is one guy who I really want to see, actually, not not so much on Johnson on Friday against Oakland, um, because he's really starting to um, find his fit in the offense. He's made some flashy plays in training camp. And um i want to see if if like he's got a legit shot to make the team especially um we talked about earlier i mean kick return could be the place where he finds his spot on the roster and if so i mean i i really want to see where he fits in and how he does and uh you know whether or not he's got a legit shot to make this team
1: all right let's take a quick break here when we come back we're moving on to some more nfl stuff as we saw the season, the the football officially came back thursday night if you are someone lame like jeremy it came back with ravens and bears and we all said plenty of speeches a few by some crazy people a few by some not so crazy people but not from the position of the of canton so we're going to talk about some of that stuff coming up in the Wayback machine too we are doing a twofer we're going to be talking about lions and buccaneers and lions and ravens just for the doctor order we'll be right back And we're back on the Pride of Detroit P.O.D. cast. Before we jump into what was happening over the weekend with the Hall of Fame, uh, we did have the news that Ezekiel Anza is back from the physically unable to perform list, or as we like to call it, pup puppies. He's off puppies. (laughs) Headline breaking on PrideDetroit.com is Ziggy back in all caps. And I have been rousing Jeremy all day that it should be he's bringing Ziggy back. Oh, God. But he's not doing that. See?
2: Hans is with me.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, Wingy and Motown would be with me.
2: Well, you can go ahead and write for them then. No, Do I not know about hockey. Fuck hockey.
1: <laughs> You'd fit
2: in perfectly. What's the difference?
1: <laughs> Jesus, shade being thrown out here all day. All right,
2: well, you if... took a cheap shot at me in the outro, so you deserve one back. No, I don't. Uh, anyway, let's, let, you want to talk Ziggy for a minute?
1: Yeah, let's talk Ziggy. So, what? I mean so he's missed basically most of training camp because of from the being on the pop list. Yes. And I mean, I know he's talked out before that, you know, he missed preseason, I believe. When was it? Uh, well, last year,
2: last year, he was last on the, year, yeah. The, the, last, last, list, the entire training camp
1: in entire. Pre-season. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have him back for preseason, but what, what does he miss out by not being at training camp?
2: Well, I mean, he missed the first week and a half there. There's, yeah, I don't know. You technically don't really call it training camp. I think after the preseason begins, but it like, like he said today, when I talked to him, like training camp is important. And the fact that he's back is, is a big difference from last year. And obviously this doesn't absolve him from, and the, and all of Lions fans from worrying about him because, you know, he, he needs to maintain, maintain health. The fact that he's healthy now is fine, but he needs to prove that he can maintain health, but you know the the positive spin on it is that he will have four weeks of practice before a regular season, and that's something that he didn't have last year, and that's a big deal. Like you have to get in football shape, you have to learn a new defense this year, you have to go out there and get chemistry with your line mates. So it, it's great news for for Lions and Lions fans, but it, it just it, it's not the end all be all. It's not like we can drop all of our concerns about Ziggy now.
1: Yeah, especially especially in this year where it is kind of, I mean. Whew. I don't know. There, there's just so many questions following Ezekiel Alonso when it comes to this franchise tag year and everything else that I think you just want to see as much as you can of him before, uh, before the season kicks off.
2: Yeah. And it, just to get in here before, before you have the real quick um, don't expect him to play Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I, I, I I would be very surprised to see him even practice uh, in any of the team drills against the Raiders this week. Um, that that should be interesting. I'm probably not going to talk too much about it beforehand, but uh, I'm also very interested in the joint practices. Side note.
3: Yeah, so I don't have much more to add besides that. I mean, it's definitely a good sign that he's back. I mean, last year, did he miss all of training camp? He did, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and that was, um, I mean, it's just been an ongoing thing where it's it's like he's got this label now. And so, um, I mean, it's obviously concerning. Like last year, if, if he misses all of training camp, you know you're going to week one. He's not healthy. So this is encouraging, the fact that he's coming back. I mean. It's in a contract year. I honestly, at this point, have just about given up the prospect of him coming back next year. I really don't think the Lions are going to pay him what what he's going to want and what the market is going to offer him. But, I mean, it's good to see that he's healthy and ready to go for the season.
1: All right, let's talk about the Hall of Fame stuff. So, mostly, I mean, I don't think anyone really cared too much about the Hall of Fame game itself. Is Am I wrong in saying that?
2: It was it was good to make fun of the Bears for a little bit because like after they scored a touchdown in, in the first quarter they went completely impotent and for a team that has an offensive guru as a coach it was nice to see the Bears suck on offense still.
1: And Robert yeah, Griffin well, III leading you know. the way on passing for, for the. <laughs> we saw
3: how Joe Lombardi worked out for uh, Jim Caldwell, offensive guru for the Lions. So, right. um, Who knows? Maybe give him some time. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's always good to have football back. I mean, I found myself um, as every year uh, interested in the hall of fame game, just to see some more football again. Now I'm counting down the days till games are back. So it's, I mean, football's football. I'll take it.
1: Yeah. What'd you think about like Lamar Jackson? Like, I think he's going to have that a real was... shot to do some quarterbacking this year.
3: I think so too. But I mean, uh, we were talking before the show. Um, I'm a big RG3 truther. I think, um, Today, I officially jumped off the Joe Flacco's elite bandwagon, and I'm now on the RG3 will be a top 15 quarterback again bandwagon. So um, <laughs> I think that I think that Joe Flacco will not be the starting quarterback by the end of the season, but I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be the guy who takes over. That's crazy.
1: See, and you guys are razzing me all the time for the bad opinions. I finally have some competition.
2: <laughs> he at least not got too- the names right, though. What?
1: What? What did I do?
2: Uh, well you didn't do anything this time but okay, you have a history well, no,
1: no. <laughs> anyway the rule the thing i wanted to get into though mostly from the game is the rule itself the new helmet rule that is being called where just at any point leading with what is it like leading with any part of your head now even if it's against like a chest or something is now a personal foul
2: correct anything above the face mask if, if that's where contact is initiated
3: yeah if I'm, I'm, it's on uh, whatever Anderson... Yeah, if anyone saw Andrew Sandeo's uh, tweet on Twitter, the Viking safety, he uh, modified his helmet so he put a a face mask on the top and tagged the NFL and it's (laughs) saying he can't get penalized
1: in that moment. I would love some customized NFL helmets. But yeah, no, like, I mean, I I think, and I know this was mostly written in jest, this tweet that was sent out from uh, Dave. I'm not going to say his last name. Please don't make me say his last name. Draw play Dave. How do you say his last name? I don't know. I'm, I'm scrolling just back. Call him,
2: I'm, just call him drop- Dave. Everyone knows the drop- a little cartoon guy.
1: Well, now I'm looking for it. Now I'm looking... Uh, oh, I should know this because this almost looks like an Italian name, Dave Rapaccio, saying, everyone is panicking about the new NFL helmet rule, but let's be real, it will never get called during the season except the one time it costs Detroit a game. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I I mean, that's in jest, but granted, how, how will this... Because like, this is one of those rules that the NFL is starting to do a lot of these rules where it can't be called until it is actually called. You know what I mean? It's in that weird, weird nether space where it's a rule, but you honestly can't call it every time. Right. Yeah, like you There can't, was some
3: ugly calls of it in the, um, in the hall of fame game between the bears and the Ravens. And I mean, looking back on the film after, I know lots of people on Twitter were frustrated with it and uh, lots of players even saying like, this can't be called in a regular season game. It's uh, so, it's definitely going to be ugly. I think um, it might take a few years to get down if we even get it down, but this could be um, right. When we redefine what is a catch, we could find our new, what is a catch in the form of this penalty?
1: Yeah. What is a personal foul? What is unnecessary roughness? (laughs)
3: Yeah, and
2: I mean, there's uh, so much gray area here. I, I yeah,
1: incidental brought, contact in a lot of cases, like right, get this all screwed and, up.
2: And I talked to one of the officials that came into Allen Park that just kind of he showed us a video that they showed the players and and had a little Q and A session. And even the slow mo replays of some of the things he showed us, it wasn't clear because apparently there's a difference between leading with your helmet and bracing for contact. And I don't know how in the hell a referee is supposed to make that judgment in real time because this isn't college football. It is not reviewable. You can't go into review and say, "Oh, you know what? This guy was just bracing. Um, he he wasn't trying to hit with his. He wasn't trying to lead with the helmet. He was just bracing for impact." And one of the most interesting things he said during the Q and A session is that you could theoretically have a collision. That is a penalty on both parties for leading the head. Oh my God.
1: That's yeah. Why are we doing this?
3: I think in, in practice it'll likely what you just talked about will just be interpreted as was their intent or was there not? I mean, it's the, it's going to be messy. It's going to get ugly. It's going to
1: slow down the game even worse. At some point, I think like, I'm almost glad there, Jeremy, that it's not reviewable. Cause could you imagine having to sit under the hood every time this shit gets called? Like people having to figure out, you know, going through replay and slow motion back and forth on the tele
2: I guess. But I mean, and here's the other thing that's another gray area is that it's, it's an object. It's an ejectable offense in some cases. What? And yeah. What? Yeah. And so again, it, it's not completely clear. Um the, the referee guy kind of went through what it takes to be uh, a, an objectable offense. One is like, Um, There's no other course of like there was other courses of action the guy could have taken and and other things but it's not to me it's not very clear and and it's not going to be clear full speed that's that's I kind of wish that part was reviewable like it is in college football where they can say you know what is this is this a really egregious offense, where, you know, there was malicious intent, he really, you know, knocked the guy out, because here's the reality. There are going to, this is going to get called in some cases when the guy doesn't even make helmet contact, because it is just that hard to see in real time. And I get what the league is trying to do, whether it's, you know, just on a, uh, a facade level where they're just pretending to look safer, or if they're actually making a legitimate effort to make the the play, the game safer, this rule is going to be a disaster. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. this is
1: a mess. This is going to be a massive mess if they don't just like ignore it altogether.
3: Yeah, they were on the – I forget whether it was first take or the Colin Coward show, but one of the two, um, they were on there earlier this week talking about the Anthony Barr hit that broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. And people were saying, oh, that's going to get called as a personal foul," And that's just – I mean, that was ugly. Because if you take a look at the replay, even in slow motion, it does not look anything like that. I mean, he led with his face mask. It's like he's run full speed at a quarterback and he's a step away. But, like, to call that – and. I mean, it's just, it's going to get ugly, especially when, I mean, we are talking, joking earlier about how it's going to screw over the Lions, but that could become a reality when you play against a guy like Aaron Rodgers twice a year.
1: Well, yeah, I just, it, it it's, it's, it's going to, this is, I mean, not to quote a movie that Hamza probably wasn't even alive for, but this business <laughs> is going to get out of control. It's going to get out of control and we're going to be lucky to live through it. Like, I, I don't know how this, and I'm not one out here. I mean, I'm all for saying, "Yeah, let's make this sport safe." I'm just not sure how you, this is how you do it in any which way. Like, I feel like maybe this rule can't would come before changing the helmets itself, or just—I I don't know. I, I look at this thing and I start going down some deep lanes, trying to figure out what does football do to try to get around this because there's just way too much incidental contact where I just a head just gets involved with the action. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's
3: worth noting that earlier in the week um, in training camp, the Lions had those referees for their scrimmage. And um, I think Matt Patricia said he asked them to call as they win the game. So, I mean, people were making a note of, oh, there weren't any of these personal foul calls. But, I mean, it's training camp. You're not going to see um, people going against their own teammates full speed, knocking them out and, you know, hitting hard. So it's just, right. I mean, we've yet to see what it's really going to look like.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of almost predict that it's gonna be called a lot during the preseason and then probably the refs dial it back. But again, the fact that it's even on the books just kind of opens up the possibility that it's gonna screw up a game at some point.
2: Yep. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said there, because when they introduced kind of the more strict uh illegal contact penalty back in when the Seahawks were running the league. We, we saw exactly that we did see an yeah. increase in calls during the during the regular season but it was ridiculous in the preseason oh yeah no i sure. remember that
1: year like yeah that was just it was it was being called just way too way too much and people were kind of talking about the end of the end of the world at that point and then yeah the regular season comes along it's not that fun it's it's fine but is there at any point where you kind of worry though i think we've had this conversation before because you know jeremy this is my big beef with with instant replay too, is just these games, <laughs> these games are going to get long because of this stuff. Like even if you just kind of have the penalties out there and take care of it, it still takes a long time for these refs to, to trudge up there and explain the call to the crowd.
3: Yeah. And I think more so even than just a 15 yard penalty, I mean, this could be huge in terms of momentum swings in a game. I mean, late in a game, you get something like this, that could be really, I mean, just change the dynamic of it. Absolutely. I mean, that, I've always had a problem with,
2: personal fouls being not only 15 yards, but an automatic first down. Like there's like a third and 20 screenplay that goes nowhere, but you accidentally tap the the quarterback's head for a second and it's an automatic first down. It's like, can't you at least just make it third and five and make them earn it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anything from the hall of fame speeches themselves. So, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on this, but we've got a couple minutes here. I mostly want to focus on two men who went in Ray Lewis and, terrell owens any thoughts on either of them you guys didn't see any of the speeches did you
3: uh i did not i heard secondhand about them but i didn't actually listen to them um but i know terrell owens um i mean we talked about this before the show it's long overdue i mean he's he's got quite the personality and um you why know I, why don't we just focus
1: on tio why don't we just focus on tio like because you do do you agree like i think we talked again we talked about it before but for people on the air i think we're all in agreement that was kind of a a robbery he's a first ballot hall of famer in every other universe
3: yeah exactly and i mean um for those who haven't heard yet the nfl is now considering making it a rule that if you're inducted into the hall of fame you have to attend the ceremony and <laughs> so that's um jeremy was complaining everything has to be a rule a rule and that's a very fair point because i mean um it is something that you earn and that shouldn't be something held against you and i think if i mean it's not like t.o went and just like you know kind of you know threw the NFL in the dirt. I mean, he went to his uh, alma mater and like, yeah, the party there and, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not a terrible thing to do. And I mean, it, I, let's be real. If any of the other people in the, who, who got inducted decided they want to do that, it really wouldn't have been that big a deal compared to Tio. It's just, everyone wants to make it up as Tio, um, you know, trying to get his revenge on the NFL for getting screwed over all these years.
1: Yeah. I think that, that new rule that the NFL wants to institute, it just seems petty. It just seems like, it, it it's just more pettiness, and it's just more about people just being mad at To for various reasons. The same reasons that got him booted off first ballot Hall of Fame. Because I mean, I don't know, man. It's I, I don't think personality shouldn't shouldn't be, especially for To's case. That's it feels like they wanted to banish To kind of like you can with Ocho Cinco to a Hall of Very Good barred down by the fact that he's just not he wasn't like a affable personality but because to is probably like one of the top three greatest of all time wide receivers they couldn't really do that
2: well let me let me play devil's advocate at least a little bit here because it's not just he has a bad personality like he clashed with locker rooms right like he doesn't matter Oh, absolutely, it matters.
1: No, no, it doesn't matter to the it doesn't matter to the criteria of the Hall of Fame itself. Well, period.
2: I would say I would say his career was a little bit limited by that fact. I think he could have had better stats. He could have been in the league longer. He could have better stats, more accomplished. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so okay, I'm going to say his name here, and uh, God help me if he hears this. So, given the actual like things that he did, does Marvin Harris belong in the Hall of Fame? i don't know ray Ray lewis is in the hall of fame now what the what the fuck was ray lewis but here i'm talking about his performance oh hold up someone's someone's phone's going off what Um, what is
3: happening no that's someone joining is this that's very clearly Ryan? oh no oh no
1: yeah well we're gonna have to figure out ryan here in a second because we've been trying to run the zencaster thing oh no okay Tell you what, let's. I think that's the perfect spot for the pod cast to take a break. We will be right back. We're going to bring you Wayback Machine and Ryan Matthews coming up next.
4: Hey, sports fans! Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: Pride of Detroit, P.O.D. cast rolling along. Way back music in one second. But first, we welcome to the show Ryan Matthews. Back the motherfucking rock At Ryan underscore P.O.D. Ryan, you are here. How you doing?
5: Um, I'm here. I'm late, but I'm here. That's all that matters.
1: Yeah, we weren't going to let you break your streak again. <sighs> yeah, technically still not broken. Yep, no, you... you... Show for part of the show. I didn't actually give Hamza's uh, Twitter account name. I probably should right now while I'm thinking about it. We'll do it again at the end of the show. So it's Hamza B A C C. Yep. Follow him, and within a month, he will probably have more Twitter followers than I do. Thank you. How many do you have, Chris? I'm almost to a thousand. I just lost a bunch, but the joke is that like I have, I've I've been stuck around this number for like <laughs> years at a time. Whereas right. Ryan, Ryan, as soon as he like once he started taking. Twitter seriously, he kind of exploded past me.
3: Nice. Yeah. Um Robert yeah, Robert Zaglinski
1: own. from Windy City Gridiron is even worse. Like I think he started with like ninety followers while I was at six hundred and now he's almost at five thousand.
3: Oh wow, yeah. We had our very own Mike Payton, uh was it like two days ago, tweeted out in the evening. Uh let's see if we can get me to uh was it three thousand by tomorrow night? And it was he was at like two thousand eight hundred sixty and they got him well past three yeah, um, thousand in lie. no time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Anyway, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me get straight up. <clears throat> Gotta get the vocals working here. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <specoughs> Wayback Machine. As I said, we are truncating this. We're gonna go a little faster this week. We this is the penultimate week. We are going to do two games this week. Next week, we hit the last three games of the season. This is the things fall apart part of the se- of, of the schedule. Now I could talk about the Bengals game, but that's later. We can't really jump right to there. But To start us off on our twofer, we're talking about Lions at Ravens and then Lions at Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers. So this is the road stretch where things just do not look like at this point. I think we we said last week Thanksgiving was the final nail in the coffin, if there ever was one. But if there was any questions still up in the air, Baltimore just blasted it with a with a, a RPG.
2: Yeah, this was this was a depressing game. And for the fourth straight week now, Lions fell behind early this time, much like against the Vikings, they couldn't crawl their way out of it. And I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, this was a a Baltimore team that was not playing well. This is a Baltimore team whose offense had been struggling outside of Alex Collins, you know nothing seemed to be going right for Baltimore at this point. They were 500 team just like the lines were going into this game and the Lions just got worked. Yeah, they worked by work. Joe Flacco. By Joe yeah. Fr- Flacco, who Still everyone was talking record. about. <laughs> I mean, they just we we just talked about it. Uh they went out and and drafted a, a quarterback because they can see the writing on Joe Flacco's career and This was the one game he had last season where it's like, maybe he's not done. And of course it comes against the Lions.
3: Yeah, and going into this game, I know a lot of people were expecting our defense to look good because, I mean, it has been it had been up and down, and everyone's like, oh, the Ravens' offense is pretty trash. So um, we were expecting something good, and instead it was the complete opposite. But one big takeaway I had from that game that I think really turned the tides in terms of a big narrative this offseason is that Jake Rudock was not as good a backup as everyone thought he was. I know.
1: <laughs> going Ryan, into this season, um, we a had... T- a That's a deep dagger on Jeremy. That's a deep dagger. (laughs) Yeah. um, Going into the season,
3: or if you guys remember at the end of the preseason last year, um, there were reports that the Lions were fielding as much as like fourth round offers for Jake Rudock, which would have been a really good turnover for Bob Quinn over the course of what one or two seasons um, to go from a sixth rounder to that. And uh, then he popped in for this game, was it through a pick six and just didn't have many other complete. I think he had like two completions or three completions on like seven passes. Three, yeah it three on, was just, three
1: on five three on five yeah
3: yeah and it, it was just very ugly all around I mean the three completions were all like short two three yard passes anyways and it was just uh it he looks completely incompetent out there and now we have um the legendary Matt Castle looking to take the number two spot and as quarterback
1: you've fallen into our camp you are aligned with us against Jeremy here Ryan what do you think I wanted
3: to that? be a Jake Rudolph truther but I just I can't do it anymore
1: uh it's not worth your time or
5: effort really to be honest uh the the one thing i remember about this game outside of the lions getting hammed um baltimore scored 44 points so that was the biggest point uh explosion that they had all 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 year long um but what about the emergence of teon green like the I biggest was gonna, headache was <laughs>
2: oh, i was going to bring that up because If there was ever a nightmarish thing that can come from a Lions 30-yard run, (laughs) it's the fact that it came against a guy who Lions fans had incoherently been rambling on about all offseason since Amir Abdullah fumbled twice.
1: Can I do this? What? Yeah. No, no. Can I do this? Can I do your favorite game? Can I do your favorite game in the world?
2: Go ahead.
1: He had 51 yards. 33 of them came on one run and he had 11 carries. Boom.
3: That about sums it up.
1: So basically taking <laughs> my, uh, my, away that run, my quick, he averaged 1.8 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. What's your math there? Was that your math, Ryan? Did I usurp your yes, math? That was my math. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. But that did kind of throw the, uh, <laughs> the fandom into a frenzy. Jeremy. <laughs>
5: Yes.
2: And and to be fair, it was a cool moment in a way because Tiana Green's family was there. It was mm-hmm. the first time they got to see him play and he scored a touchdown and had that big long run and it was exciting for him, but anyone who had been paying attention to this team knew that the other shoe was going to drop and it eventually did not in this game, but and now T.I. Green's not on the team. So,
3: yeah, you know, I think from that point over the next uh, over the course of the next couple games that was T.I. Green's moment to shine. And, you know, for, for an undrafted free agent who was, uh, I don't even know, does he even count as a camp darling? I feel like everyone just saw him and wanted him to be the next joint Bell. He didn't even do anything to warrant it. But, um, I mean, for someone who the fans hype up as much as he did, that's that's really all you can ask for. He had his moment to shine, got his touchdowns, had his, uh, you know, it's good cool. story to tell. And now, I mean, he moves on. His, his NFL career is going to other places. So
4: what nice was this game?
1: what was this game in the in the in the grand scheme of things obviously because i think we try to assign meaning to a lot of these games and as you say this is just emblematic of some probably the worst nature of the 2017 lions team in that you had boom falling behind very early on with a lot of mistakes and missed a rare missed field goal from prater a fumble by uh who who fumbled that ball It was yeah Stafford getting sacked and eric well picking up the fumble recovery um just yeah I, don't,
2: I I think the the main takeaway is most people thought the season was over then although mathematically the line certainly still had a chance but we were also very concerned about the state of matthew stafford because his hand looked gross after this game and i don't think i don't think many people expected him to play the following week which he ended up doing but i think a lot of people are getting flashbacks to the year before matthew stafford gets his hand hurt He doesn't look the same the lines collapsed on the stretch barely make the playoffs so in this instance, I think people were like, well, the Lions are already collapsing. Matthew Stafford's now hurt. Sure, they could win out and, and probably make the playoffs, but doesn't seem like it's going to happen, seeing as the two wins Alliance have had in the past four weeks were against the Browns and the Bears, and they barely got by both of them.
1: Well, yeah, let's, I, since you mentioned—hold um, that thought there, Hamza—since you mentioned— Next week, if Safford was going to play let's go right ahead and let's get right up to Lions at Buccaneers you want yeah, to that? So, um, yeah
3: go ahead uh yeah, so wait, do you want to recap it before I get my thoughts, or should we jump right in
1: i don't have much of a recap. It was twenty four to twenty one the lions score where the the lions held off a Tampa Bay rush of fourteen points there near the end of the game uh don't field goal got them out of a tie with like two minutes to go and you know the it was a it was a Jameis Winston sack with like 20 seconds left to really win it there there, there's not too much to recap yeah, so, so
3: what I was gonna say about the uh the previous game about the Ravens was I mean this was something that we all knew the Lions were performing at this level and it was they had no business winning the games they had in previous weeks I mean it was like they almost blew it against the 0-16 Browns and um that would have been something uh given in the Lions history as a franchise but this game was really um we were talking about it before the show this was like a really a competition of who could be worse because the Lions were unraveling they had much bigger problems going on than Matthew Stafford's hand and it was uh but it was just the only thing with the Bucks, had much bigger problems going on and uh Dirk Cutter's offense was falling apart and you know I mean we mentioned the um I don't know if it was the first or second quarter, but there was a, a very short span in which there was like at least three or four turnovers just going back each way. It was a messy game and it really exposed. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, you know, the Bucs were bad when Theo Riddick looked like he belonged as a starting running back. I think he had like a 30 yard rushing touchdown there and he was really making a fool of the Bucks defense. But um, that about, I mean, showed how bad the Bucks were and. I mean, the Lions, if it were any other team, I think had no business winning that game because they were playing just as sloppy as they were every other week in that time span. And I mean, they just, I mean, it was bad.
1: Ryan, what are your first thoughts thinking about Lions at Bucks?
5: Uh, Just, I mean, just fool's gold, you know, uh, to to put a bow on, I think you, you asked like what, you know, uh, our opinion was of like, you know, after the Thanksgiving Day game, it was like, all right, the division is off the table. After the Ravens game, it almost seemed like uh, a playoff berth was 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 off the table, and then the Lions, you know, pull out you know a game on the road against you know, like Hamza said, a bad Bucks team. Um, it was another step in the direction of well, maybe if the Lions get the you know the pinball machine to shake just the right way, they might be able to find a way into the wild card. But um, I think we 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 knew who this team was. Um, it, it just it just took another week for us to. Um to to figure it out.
1: To be fair, the Bucks defense was pretty terrible going into this game. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I just remember them being awful. And here we are near the end of the first quarter, Jeremy. Uh Stafford giving up two interceptions on back-to-back drives.
2: Yeah, I mean, but like like Hansen said, this was just a sloppy game in general. I think it was also a little (laughs) bit rainy, if I remember correctly, and Certainly there was concern about Stafford going into this game. I think actually by the end of the game, he pretty much qualmed those concerns. I mean, he was 36 of 44. That's that's a crazy yeah. high percentage. Sure.
1: Of yeah. But again, rate. like the, the point of this and then, yeah, I think the bigger thing though is talking about just how the Lions defense breaks out the end because you uh, by I think, what is it, the third quarter you've moved out to a 20, 21 to seven lead. You should be able to kind of sit comfortably there. And instead, The Bucs get 10 plays for a touchdown Lions punt after five plays. And then the Bucs are right down the field again to tie it up.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that also points to a lot of the defensive concerns that we probably should have had for more of the year where we were all fawning over the secondary and how good Darius Slay was playing. The run defenses was continuing to stink it up. The Lions still couldn't seem to guard tight ends, no matter who was back there. OJ Howard had a touchdown this game and Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for turnovers in this game, the Lions probably don't win it. And, I mean, you could certainly say the same for the Bucs if, you know, if if the Lions had maybe turned it over one more time, maybe they win the game. But eight total turnovers in this game, five from the Bucs, three from the Lions, it was just – it was sloppy all over. I don't think it inspired much confidence into anyone in Detroit, but, you know, it did keep them alive. So I guess we have them to be thankful for that because we got, quote-unquote, meaningful football for the last month of the season.
1: Do you remember who yeah, the um, – uh, oh, go ahead, Hans. Oh, yeah. So, I
3: mean, not to mention on top of that, the Lions got off to another really slow start in that game. And this was after – I mean, we had been saying since week eight, week nine, the Lions need to pick up the pace in the first half. And that was uh, – I mean, remember every week Jim called was saying, okay, we're working on picking up the pace in the first half. And it was – I mean, it had about the same results as them saying that they're committing to the run game. It just wasn't happening. and uh, <laughs> It really showed there.
1: Do you know who? Do you guys remember who the leading rusher for the Buccaneers was against the Lions?
2: Only because I have
3: the box score in front of me.
1: <laughs> who doesn't have the box score in front of them?
3: I do uh, not. Um, I, I'm visualizing this guy because I made a note of him, I think, for fantasy football at the end of this year. Was was he number 25?
1: Yes. Yes, he wears 25 for the box.
5: So I'll, I'll yeah, give that as an affirmative to you.
1: Ryan, can you name him?
5: Yeah, it was uh, it was Peyton Barber, wasn't it? There yep. you go. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. No. Here, here's here's how you can sum up. You know, Jeremy, I think said something that you can pretty much apply to any Lions victory. Um, earlier, when you said if it wasn't for the turnovers, the Lions probably wouldn't have stood a chance of winning this game. I think the only game where you can really maybe make the case that that wasn't how things played out was when the Lions actually went into Green Bay. Um, and I think they kind of just handled business from like start to finish in that one, but this was just another game that it it kept the Lions alive for another week.
1: Another week. And that's what's going to be on the next Wayback Machine, another week. Three games, we're going to finish it out next week. Probably have ListCast coming up soon, too, because we've got one more. But uh, let's step out of this machine.
5: Do-do, do-do-do, do-do-do, do-do-do-do
1: and uh why don't we go on to the mailbag Hamza's first ever mailbag this will be a treat
2: let's make a photo scrapbook of it Hamza's first mailbag
1: (laughs) I think I'm good I I don't I'm not into scrapbooking we'll be right right back Mail time. The mail here. Oh. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. You use the hashtag. We read your questions. Jeremy, the reviews, please.
2: We got a couple, and they're both five stars this week. Hey first one comes from kimball graham uh the title of it is good banter doesn't take itself too and i'm assuming the next word is seriously but it gets cut off on my phone too freaky doesn't take itself too freaky yeah uh I, <laughs> she says i was 100 percent on board when they compared rob gudkowski to a golden retriever slash air i've only listened to a few episodes so far so i haven't quite distinguished each host's voice it sounds like each host is a variation of the same nerdy white guy or possibly the inner monologue of one nerdy white guy. Either way, <laughs> good, adequate stuff. She well, kind of nailed we're... it.
1: I mean, it's not all white guys now, I guess. I mean, we didn't, we weren't all that white. We had Jerry every now and then he's, was... Jerry should be on the show more. That's uh, what I'm taking away from this.
2: <laughs>
3: Second God, view. Comes... i contributing something.
2: <laughs> right. Second view comes from Johnny Chimpo316. Five stars says, great podcast. I love the show, guys. You're doing a great job. I can't wait until September 10th.
1: What's on? Oh, right. Start of the season. Right. Of course. Nailed it. I... Nailed it. Probably. Uh, took me a second. Okay, let's get to the questions. Hamza is here. He's going to be taking some of these questions too. Let's start with an easy one from our friend Ryan Collins at Shafty Von Hack. What is the best movie you've seen in the last five years?
3: Ooh, this one's an easy one because my favorite movie came out in the last. Oh, shoot, this is pushing it. I gotta, I gotta Google this real quick. Um, but my favorite movie is Interstellar, and that was, let's see. Um, now,
1: that was in the last five that years. That was 2014,
3: yeah. So that's four years ago. Um, but yeah, I big fan of that one. Um, I think. I don't know. I'm not even usually a big sci-fi guy, but that was just something that um I really enjoyed. And I found out, you know, going through uh, uh, high school and college classes, a lot of my science teachers told me that it was actually pretty accurate in a lot of stuff they did. And just uh, appreciating all the thought that went into it and just, uh, you know, it's uh, the Hans Zimmer music killed it. Oh my God. And um, I've used a lot of music for that, from that soundtrack for a lot of other stuff. And, um, you know, all around just a good movie. I don't think it was it was lacking in any single department, but um, I'm honestly not a big movie guy. So I couldn't like, um,
1: no, that's Elliot. a good enough answer, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, that's, but that's I feel one. like that's
3: a very strong contender for me.
2: Plus, right. I mean, you, you must have been, like, what, like, 10 when that movie came out? So, you, like, you were... you You're, like, space is cool. Uh,
1: 15, but okay. <laughs> no, no, you're yeah. younger than Ryan. You're younger than Ryan. That's how it works. Uh, Ryan, what's your favorite movie from the last five years?
5: Oh, uh, this... I don't know. It's tough.
1: Uh, you might have maybe... the same answer as me, so...
5: I don't. It might be Get Out, but oh, okay, no, that's no. that's a good one.
1: Yeah, Jeremy, what's
5: your answer?
2: I almost said Get Out, but I think it's Her that just barely makes a cut from mm. 2013. I absolutely love the movie Her. I'll watch it anytime I see it on HBO Go or whatever.
3: It, it's it's great.
1: For you me, know, it's while weird. we're on
2: the
3: topic of Get Out, I I should note the um, I'm not sure if anybody heard about uh, Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott. They made their comments uh, about supporting Jerry Jones' anthem policy and. There was a mural that came up in Dallas this week of Dak Prescott, but with the get out face. And so that was uh, quite something to
5: see. I was wondering where that was going.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think the answer for me is simple. Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, The solid answer, too. It is a very solid answer. It's my answer. It's my adequate answer. All right. Blake Berry at Idaho sign boss. Will it hurt the lions that they don't, that they won't get to practice against Khalil Mack this week in Oakland?
2: Uh, It'll, it'll help in the fact that if he's out there for the first series and so is Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford
3: won't get injured for the season. That's true. I got to agree with that one. Um, I don't, I don't think you, you lose too much by, by not practicing against him. I mean, there are lots of formidable ends in the league and, I'm sure Taylor Decker and uh, Rick Wagner get their fair share of work. They have their fair share of experience, but yeah, I mean, like Jeremy said, keeping Matthew Stafford on his feet, that's always a positive.
1: All right. Next question from Encantrix. I know it's early for this one, but has Whitehead been adequately replaced? I like it. Adequate.
3: I... I think I'm gonna pass this one off to you guys because I'm gonna be completely honest. I think we've got some good signees from well, for the linebacking core, but I've still um, got to learn how this whole setup is is gonna work with uh, Patricia's defense. It's got me really confused, and uh, you know, I've still got to get my uh, get my head in the right place in terms of who's going where. Yeah,
2: I. I... The thing is, I don't think Tahir would have been that great a fit with this defense. I don't think he's a really good pass rusher, and I think that's what they're going to be asking of a lot of these outside linebackers, these will guys. And I don't know, Whitehead was fine, but I don't think he was, you know, an above average player. And I'm not saying this line's linebacking core is, is good and they're going to be good right away, but I think they're a better fit for what Patricia wants. And maybe that's just me drinking the Patricia Kool Aid, but I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the with the lines moving on from whitehead and um, I'm okay. I would say with their current set of linebackers.
1: All right. Next question here. This one is in Ryan's wheelhouse from Mott dropsy. What do you think are the chances Baker Mayfield leads the Browns to the playoffs in year one? Could they possibly win their division as well?
5: Mm, Tyrod Taylor might lead the Browns to the playoffs in, wow. in Baker Mayfield's first year, but no, the Browns <laughs> aren't making the playoffs
1: but yeah I've, so what what were the odds you're giving them mm, your percentage
5: uh six to nine percent nice <laughs>
3: very nice yeah so i'm i'm, I'm a big uh tyra taylor truther and you know i think the browns have a lot of talent but i've just i've given up on hugh jackson you can't i mean there's a day of the year dedicated to his record 131 January 31st and it doesn't get any worse than that you cannot choose a worse day of the year for that but that's um I've given up on Hugh Jackson I think as long as he's there they won't go past five or six games even though they're loaded with talent now I think that you put I mean if Matt Patricia went to Cleveland I think they're like a at least like a eight nine win team like if things go wrong um but in terms of uh Tyra Taylor could lead them to the playoffs like Ryan said but um with Tyrod Taylor in front of Baker Mayfield for now at least I think The odds um, have got to be somewhere less than 10%.
1: Trevor sends us this question. Who would be the most fun to play as in franchise mode in Madden 19? He adds that he hates playing as the Lions because of my attachment to most of the players on the roster. So, all right, looking at it right now, Madden 19, what, out of the gate, the the team you want to play as? I know plenty of you guys play Madden 19. Jaguars. Um, I don't know. I think that's an okay answer. But I think like
5: when you play Madden, like you want to, you want to have a quarterback who's like competent and doesn't make you want to throw your (laughs) controller against the wall because you can't can't hit a receiver.
3: I should note though, um, Blake Bortles has been looking sharp this year and apparently he's had a really bad wrist issue the last two years Mm -hmm. that he finally got taken care of. And, um, people are saying he's looking much more accurate and having a lot more power in camp and that combined with his mobility. I'm a Jaguars
1: truther. I, I don't recall the scores off the top. Would Deshaun Watson have a good uh, rating? He, yeah,
5: oh, yeah. He, he probably would. I mean, I, I you know me. I have a type, and uh, he definitely fits the bill. But here's the thing, too, is uh, to, 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 respond to, what, uh, to respond to what Hamza said, the thing about this Bortles thing is I can quote Chris's favorite movie from the past five years, and that's called Bait. Um,
3: uh-uh, that's <laughs> that's bad. yep yeah. that's,
1: that's, that's a fair point yeah <laughs> all right next question here we have from bz at motor city love 313 how do you really feel about kool-aid drinking blue skies lions fans
5: they're better than walmart wolverines
4: Whoa, oh my god. Whoa, that whoa, is shot across.
3: Wow. I I, I got to take Ryan's side on this. I I mean I'm a Michigan student, <laughs> Michigan fan, but I Walmart Wolverine bother me a lot. Um, <laughs> You know, Blue Skies Lions, there's something, there's just something genuine about a Blue Skies Lions fan. Um, and it seems like Wolverines fans, even when they're they're dedicated, there's always something pessimistic about a lot of, especially Walmart Wolverines. They're, they always got something to complain about. But um, I think Lions fans have been stuck in the ditch for so long that, I mean, a Blue Skies Lions fan, it's like, I mean, it, it, you almost feel a little bit of pity, but it's, and, and a little bit of sympathy. So it's just like, you, you let them be and it's, uh, let them live in their own world. And I mean, yeah, I, I, we, we've we
2: all got a little bit of that in us, right? I mean, the fact that we're still fans of this franchise, despite despite right. all the punishment that we receive.
1: Yeah, that was the weird thing. I ran into someone here in LA from Ann Arbor um, who asked me straight up, like, he doesn't understand how people can be... Li- like, he wasn't much of a sports fan, but he said of all the things, like, he doesn't understand how people are still Lions fans. And, I mean, you you know me, I'm... Some people question my fandom all the time because it's, you know, I don't like this current coach and I kind of predicted the record is going to be a bit shit and everything, but like, yeah, I'm just, yeah, people, people seem to be really excited about this team, which is probably a first for at least 20 years. It's it's all right. It's something innocent and naive about it. (sighs) Very naive about it. Owen Strensky. Asking us, how many cats is too many cats? Ryan, turn off the PlayStation. Uh, I'm just getting it
5: started.
3: (laughs) I'm going to go with one.
1: Oh, come on.
3: That's the right answer.
1: I want an answer from Ryan. Very carefully. (laughs) You can't use very carefully. And I heard the beep from that (laughs) goddamn. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i just don't
5: i don't know i don't know which part which 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 phrase you want me to do you keep on pulling my string which one do you want for me
1: i don't know next question here from from kh maker d what team do you think will have the best play of the year
5: what mm. So, let's you know, uh, let's, the play let's of the year the yeah, let's do that. Into? And then and then what's the play, too? I want to know what the play is.
1: Ooh, so I, I think Hail Mary is is too easy an answer here.
5: Yeah, well, plus I don't like Hail Marys. Yeah, well.
1: Um, I'm going to say probably a lateral to win the game. <laughs> a lateral to win the game. I don't even remember the last
5: time that I, I saw that work.
1: I mean I've seen it work all the time in college but yeah it's been a minute since we've had a lateral or a or some yeah some just kind of just rugby ish to to win a game and I think we're overdue for it.
5: I remember uh I remember when the Saints It was a long time ago, but the Saints scored on, like, a last-minute play like that, and then they missed the extra point to tie the game. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um,
1: That's really Saints. uh,
5: That reminds me of the uh,
3: the Lions-Colts game, the opener from, was it two years ago, when the Lions tied it up with, like, a minute 40 to go, and then Prater missed the extra point. And luckily, they had enough time to make two
5: possessions work before that. Stafford magic, um, to Stafford, say- oh, yeah. a, a 60, a 69 yard throw to Kenny Galladay.
1: You keep doing the 69 oh thing. <laughs> see you there? Yeah, I'm um, going to go. Um,
3: I think it's going to be something with Deshaun Watson and, um, uh, what DeAndre Hopkins. Why am I forgetting his name? Yeah. But, uh, that's going to be, it's going to be rece- like- the best receiver in football. Yeah, um, it's going to be something with him making magic out of the pocket, somehow keeping a play alive, and then it's going to be just a nasty catch with probably DeAndre Hopkins juggling it three times or doing three toe taps before, I don't know. He's going to make magic work on every end.
1: I'm going to say my lateral scenario is probably going to belong to the, uh, I'm going to say the Cardinals. No, 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 no. That's a little, uh, the 49ers. Don't ask me how I got there. I'm doing very complex calculations in my head.
2: It's going to come against the Lions, too, huh? You son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> I didn't say that.
2: All right, my answer is Hunter Henry is going to come out of crutches and score a game-winning <laughs> oh, <my> touchdown. <laughs> no, no, no. My real answer is Tyreek Hill punt return. He's going to he's gonna do something crazy.
3: Because gonna... I like Tyreek Hill a lot.
1: You like him a lot, huh?
3: I do. Do, Tyree Kill is a something you can abuse in Madden. That, I'm looking forward to playing with him again this year. Him and Sammy Watkins on the Chiefs is gonna be something.
1: Next question here from Bud Dog Are Batman and Iron Man even even real superheroes considering they don't have superpowers?
5: I mean they have super massive bank accounts, so no <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I...
3: I think, yeah, I think it counts. And the fact that you have to, if you're not born with something and you have to go out of your way and take that initiative to make something like that happen, then uh, all the better for you. You're even more of a superhero to me. Oh, I'm a big Iron Man guy.
1: That's a good answer. I remember, did you see the tweet? I think I might have retweeted it, Ryan, um, where it was a Bruce Wayne is like, the city needs my help. And Alfred's like, well, you have a lot of money. You you are a billionaire. Maybe you could redistribute your and it's like the bat suit is the only way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: oh, that's good, Jeremy. Do superheroes matter? Nope, they're not real. On brand.
1: On brand as hell. All right, Derek at Steve's Tabor asking us: Given his versatile usage in camp, what would you guess the odds are of Billingsley making the roster at wide receiver five? If you don't think he's wide receiver five, who is? Ooh, so I want to take
3: this because I just put out a piece this morning about four reasons the Lions should not um, keep a fifth wide receiver.
1: Four reasons the Lions should
3: keep four wide receivers on the roster and not a fifth one. So I think um, Billingsley and Teo Redding are your second tier um, below the hole. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, TJ Jones. And... um, Frankly, I mean, Billingsley has been a practice squad guy for the last two years, and he's done nothing this offseason to, you know, really take a step up, at least that we've seen before. Um, and Taylor Redding, just, he's got the frame, but he needs to add some weight. He's not consistent enough. I mean, he's made flashy catches. It goes all over Twitter. But the thing is, you're not going to see pictures and hear stories of him not making plays. And so it's just, it's just a matter of him. I don't think he's ready for the 53-man roster. And I think if the Lions are going to keep a fifth-wide receiver, I would like that to be Malcolm Mitchell. The Patriots released him earlier. And if that knee is healthy and good enough to go, um, I think he could be a steal as fifth wide receiver. Otherwise, I don't think the Lions should go um, with a fifth wide receiver period. And uh, if you'd like to know more about why, go check out my article.
1: Smooth. I like that.
3: That is synergy
2: right there.
1: I'm I'm going to, yeah, he plugged his own work too. That's professional. I think I'm just going to leave that question right there. Next question is from Mongo71. How is it you can buy a Ray Pringle jersey, but not a Frank Ragnow or Carry On Johnson one?
2: Because Ray Pringle is an awesome name. Although Frank Ragnow is a pretty good name, too.
1: Yeah, and Would, you, you? would, would Ray sure. Pringle like I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't wanna Assume anything about names. He's not tournament. even on the
3: Lions roster anymore. He was. That's the, correct. Yeah, he, yeah. No, that's what but, I'm
1: saying. We're we're assembling like all time Lions names. Yeah, star.
3: I yeah I want to make a note. I tweeted about this earlier, or no, I I sent something to our uh writers group chat. But the um Aq Shipley, the the Cardinal Center, who lost who messed up his ACL today, he's out for the season. But could you imagine Aq Shipley in the Lions name bracket tournament? I think that's an immediate like top two seed. It's close. But man,
2: that name bracket tournament has been wacky. Finals are coming up this week by the way, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be between Miles that's still going on. Oh my god. I've I've been slacking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seriously. All right, Zeusifer asking us, what is the over under for amount of players who will be kneeling during the national anthem? Is that Lions exclusive or in total? We'll just say the entire NFL.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think the number is going to start growing because the NFL just cannot keep this straight in their heads. Like I, right. I, if you had asked me before they started messing around, I would have said like, yeah, maybe, maybe one, one and a half is a good over under. And I would maybe even take the under, but now it's just, it's out of control. Like yeah. the, and this, is on, this is on the, this is on the league kind of screwing this up.
3: I, I'm with you there. I think the over under I'd set and like for a given week, Maybe if the if the league didn't interfere with this, I'd set it at four or five. But now I think just because the league is against it, a lot more people are going to be stepping up and uh, just to piss off the league because I know no one's really fond of Roger Goodell or he, Jerry Jones is
1: going like rogue on this too. It's kind oh of it's gosh. kind of weird to watch.
3: Yeah, and that's been, I don't know. I feel like that's got a lot of underlying tones of his. Um, you know, animosity with Roger Goodell. Because if you remember earlier, he was it this offseason, he was the one guy trying to stop Roger Goodell's extension when Goodell asked for fifty million in a private jet. But um and Jerry that's G- I
1: think that. that's Jerry Jones. I think that's Jerry Jones trying to flex his muscle. He's always been kind of seen as the real like power in the league, the shadow commissioner as it were. Yeah, yeah. and it's and just I, I think I think his power is slipping a bit. Yeah. I mean he's also
3: probably trying to spite Roger Goodell again and Cause Roger keeps telling us to shut up and it's not a secret. So who knows? This is probably him flexing again. I'm sure he's also still pissed about Zeke last year. So
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like there's, there's definitely some deep ties here on just kind of the history between the two and just, yeah, I think, I think this is, wow, this is, it's funny, man. It's real funny. We were all kind of set to finally, for the people who didn't want to talk about this anymore, we were set to go that route and just the NFL keeps rubbing the nose in it. And, you know, Donald Trump. Every time he sees an opportunity to jump back in, he jumps back in. So there you I go. I can't wait to see who
3: he tweets about this this season.
1: Oh, he's he's already doing it right now. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Anyway, next question here from Ty: What is your favorite word?
5: How do you this even is... answer
3: that? There's too many to choose from.
5: It's tough. I really like the word "spooky" because it it's, it's it, it means what it sounds like. It sounds
1: like what it means.
3: I like the word sauce. It's dynamic. Yeah. It's
1: versatile. I like the word... Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit PODcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard, and thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you, Starside.
2: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show. It seemed smart.